You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. It's a special week for you all. You all got you guys get not a three days this week, I believe. Yeah, this will be this will be number two, and then obviously like number three will be That's end of being Friday. Fire Friday. Fire we Friday. We get not a three days this week, almost back to the good old days when we would have you on daily, but three days this week, I think that'll be quite the treat for all of our listeners. Yeah, everybody should be really, really happy that I'm basically ahead of schedule with my day job right now. Have you been able to hold on to a lot of the fire or are you burnt out already? Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. I would assume so. I just wanted to make sure that you were still ready wait, to wait, bring wait. it every I used to day. bring the fire every day. Come on now. You did. I just didn't know if you were kind of rusty, trying to get back on oh, the no, daily no, no, grind of the mic. I'm still getting back into this. Okay. I'm still getting back into this. Again, I love doing this, so therefore, there will always be some sort of fire. We will, we will talk about another player evaluation today. Even though it is Kemba Walker's birthday, happy 29th birthday yeah, to Kemba Walker. Yeah, happy 29th birthday. You're about to be 30. It all goes to hell after that, Kemba. I really wanted to save Kemba Walker for last, and it would make a lot of sense to do a player evaluation for Kemba on his birthday, but I don't want to, and I get to make the rules, and we're going to wait to do him last. The wait, best wait, wait, last. wait, wait, wait. So, wait. You come up with the content calendar. Mm. You decided that again we all knew his birthday it happens to be his birthday and we don't do his evaluation then i want to wait what for kind l- of planning is this because best for last i live by that i wanted to have kimball walker be the last player evaluation so i don't want to do it on his birthday and i kind of wanted all of us to be in for kimba Kimba is a special player in this organization, Nada. Yes. And I want to have all of our opinions on this. I want you to bring the fire for Kimba for Fire Friday and have Doug in here. And Doug's not going to be a part of this today. He's yeah. got some other things he's got to he's do. He's got day job stuff he needs to do. So, I mean, I get it. I, I That was me for a very, very long time. So, I would have done Kimba today. But Doug's not here. And I want all of us to be here. So, I might not even do it tomorrow. That's fine. We can we'll save it all for Friday. We'll wait for you. We'll, yeah, we'll you try. better you better save it for me now. Maybe we can try to do something. Maybe we can try to, I don't know, maybe do like a season evaluation tomorrow and then get to Kimba. Kimba's that important. He really is the yeah, season. Uh, like, I've, again, that famous break of me saying, get the boys to men out. I, I'll bring the fire. I might bring some tears, too. We also have some lottery news on the Charlotte Hornets and really the rest of the NBA. We have the representatives. We'll talk about that later on in the show. And we have former NBA players, probably NBA Hall of Famers, farting on analysts. So we'll talk about yeah, that oh, later Oh, that's on. always great. Again, it's always fun <laughs> to talk about passing gas. I didn't realize that we were going to talk about that today but as soon as i saw the story i knew that it had to be a part of the show this is locked on hornets presented by the locked on podcast network it's your team every day local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network you can find the show on most social media platforms at locked on hornets i myself am on twitter at walker mail nada on twitter at nada the scribe mm-hmm. and if you want to follow doug he's on twitter at doug branson even L-O-H. though he rarely tweets he doesn't tweet much anymore and i'm not much of a tweeter myself i'll get in these I'll get in these stretches where I'll, I'll actually tweet a lot, and it's good for my fault. Fo- like, I get more followers when I do it, and mm-hmm. I just don't like Twitter enough, Nada. You, on the other hand, OD on Twitter constantly. I OD on your own tweets. You are constantly putting your opinions out there. Everybody yes. knows this about you. I need to find a happy medium. I need to find the distance on a scale of Doug to Nada. I need to be somewhere in the middle, and I'm closer to Doug, and it's not a good Embrace thing. Embrace the fire, my friend. Embrace the fire. Let's talk about Jeremy Lamb's. Let's 
yes. season. And we will go like we've done through all of the players, the past, the present, the future. Jeremy Lamb is an interesting one. I actually like this player evaluation we have today. Okay. Happy to have not a part of it. Hornets trade for Jeremy Lamb in exchange for Luke Ridnour and a second round pick back in 2015. Mm-hmm. Not a, if you were traded in 2015, you were traded in exchange for Luke Ridnour. Exactly. Luke Ridnour had like five or six jerseys like remember how everybody made fun of the mellow jersey yes like a luke written luke, luke written memphis grizzlies jersey might be the rarest thing on the planet there's a lot of rarest luke written jerseys because he was traded i believe it was like five or six times within a two-day span it was yeah, ridiculous exactly. and if you were traded in 2015 you were traded in exchange for luke written Woj tweeted at the time of that trade he says sources okc engaged on fronts trying to unload a contract to solidify ability to keep Enos Cantor and Kyle Singler in restricted free agency. Jonathan, Ooh, boy, did that contract come I, back? I got back some more for you. No, it did. I got some more for you. Jonathan Gavoni tweeted, had heard some reports that Jeremy Lamb was on the trading block along with Perry Jones. Lack of intensity and work ethic didn't fit in with OKC. And so now you look at that trade, Sam Presti, not one to be messed with normally. Somebody yes. that usually is going to get the better value in return. Yeah. Now Jeremy Lamb is... Two examples of when Sam Bresti did not get the most valuable return in the trade with James Harden. Harden, yeah. Getting Jeremy Lamb and a couple of things they got back from Houston, that obviously was not the best trade for them. And so that's something they lost value. And then trading Jeremy Lamb, giving up on him so quickly to the Charlotte Hornets in exchange, in exchange for Ridnour and a second round pick, even though they were trying to get off some money, they got rid of him. That was not the good value. So the Hornets, or at least Jeremy Lamb, getting the best of Presti a couple of times. Yeah, Jeremy Lamb has gotten the best of Presti a couple of times. I mean, the only other guy that's probably gotten the better of Presti in any sort of deal might be Kevin Pritchard. Think about that yeah. for a second. Well, and and that's so close because I know Zach Lowe made this point on his podcast. Uh, I don't. I know it was a couple episodes ago. He mentioned the James Harden experiment, right? Like, or the James Harden trade, and everybody wants to go back to that and discuss what could have been had those three players stuck it out, all of the MVPs stuck it out with OKC, and everybody gets mad at Presti for that. And then we talk about the way that Presti was able to turn Serge Ibaka into Victor Oladipo and DeMontis Sabonis, and then turn both of those guys into Paul Paul George. George. Like, that's impressive. Yeah, The the, the thing, and I know we're going on a ridiculous tangent. We are. We'll get back after this. But the problem that I have with this entire scenario of what if you can't, keep James Harden, this, that, and the third, and trade a Baca, what have you, or you trade Russ. Why are we assuming James Harden would want to be the third banana? I, no, I understand that. It's just, one, the value you got was pretty bad in return, at least on, this, on the other end of that, but also you keep the worst one, essentially. Hindsight's everything. Not a, and there's nobody that would have predicted James Harden would be this good. He is a four-time MVP top two finisher. That's what he will be at the end of this. And so I get all of that. And you could not... This is a lot of hindsight. I completely agree with you on that front. It's just... It, it does seem like they could have tried a little bit harder or at least done something a little bit smarter. And it's the one thing. It's one of the few things that Presti's done that doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you look back in hindsight. I, I, I get it. And I know... Every- And this is the same issue I have with like every small market and we micromanage every single trade they make and every mistake. Like we can't look at GM. We can't look at GM decisions in a vacuum. You have to look at them with a full perspective. You have to look at them at the time. Like what happened at that time? What were the circumstances at that time to make decisions? And when you start talking about that and you start thinking about people like Jeremy Lamb, 
Jeremy Lamb wasn't really like, and and to bring it back a little bit to Jeremy Lamb, a lot of what Jeremy Lamb hadn't brought to OKC was an intensity, and there was a need to grow up because, again, Jeremy Lamb was on his way out, period, of the league when he got to Charlotte. It goes back to the Doug Branson theory of Malik Monk maybe being the next Jeremy Lamb and finding success once he gets to another team. Does it take another team for him to realize that? And so Lamb gets a contract extension as soon as he walks in the Spectrum Center. At the time, Time Warner Cable Arena gets one as soon as he gets traded. So traded in June of 2015, very late June, it's yeah. about to turn to July, and he gets that extension in November of the same year before he really does anything with the organization. Now, which made sense because you wanted to have a cap control guy. Because remember, everybody thought Jeremy Lamp getting that kind of money was a steal because it was only like seven million dollars. Did people think that? No, people there were certain people that thought that Jeremy Lamb at 7 I thought was that a was steal. met with some criticism because you no, know, it and it, we all got the idea. I mean, you get Jeremy Lamb as a younger guy at the time, mm-hmm. I think he would have been 23 years old. And so you get him at 23 and I think you get the idea, but at the same time for the first couple of seasons, not that 7 million is going to break the cap. At that point, it would have been a little bit worse because you were one year removed from the luxury or the salary cap increase. Mm-hmm. But Jeremy Lamb having $7 million to his name, it was a little bit of a risk, but it is one that eventually paid off and was a great contract that Rich Cho extended him back in 2015. To be fair, if Jeremy at Jeremy Lamb with the explosion of the salary cap, and that's the one thing that we got to give Rich Cho credit for, he kind of protected himself in certain contracts. Well, Kemba, Kemba and Jeremy, Walker, yeah, both of them. Kemba yeah. Walker, Jeremy Lamb. He kind of protected himself against the explosion of the salaries. Now, granted, it didn't help him with a guy like Nick Batum, but if we give it, like we have to give Rich Cho some kind of credit. There's some things he did that was fine. Exactly. I, I think overall it was a bad job he did in here in Charlotte, but it doesn't mean that there weren't some good moves. And I think Jeremy getting, Lamb is absolutely one of them. Jeremy Lamb is one of them. It turned out it it got a little. We took a little bit to get there, yeah. but it was one of them. And Kimba Walker certainly was one of them with the contract that he gave him. So Jeremy Lamb gets that contract extension, mm-hmm. and he becomes a guy who has to develop. He absolutely has to in the next three years at that time of 2015. So remember nada jeremy lamb for a couple of off seasons was the off-season guy. You know, Jeremy Lamb for two off-seasons was a guy that Steve Clifford and others praised for the attitude. He's hitting the cold tub. He's developing. He's becoming a pro. Then the regular season comes, and we don't get the Lamb that we were promised until finally it did last season, where he averaged 12 a game with good percentages any way you look at it. Last season was the time that we saw Jeremy Lamb at least arrive in some sort of fashion here with the Charlotte Hornets. In the couple of previous seasons we got from the Hornets, uh, Uh, for Jeremy Lamb the two first years with the franchise we were told hey this is somebody that has improved so much in the offseason you guys have to see it and then Steve Clifford would be scared to death to play play him because of his defense basically he was Malik Monk (laughs) 1.0 like like or the beta version depending on how you want to look at it the big thing with a guy like Malik Monk or or, I'm sorry again we've talked about Malik Monk already a guy like Jeremy Lamb was for a lot of guys, it takes a, sometimes you have those late bloomers. Jeremy Lamb was absolutely one of those guys. He was a guy that needed consistent minutes to grow. And even in those even in the big year, not just last year, but two years ago, you had him basically showing up on certain games and putting in points and giving just as much up. Where you started to see the improvement was he started to start playing defense. I would argue, though, 
with a guy like Jeremy Lamb, the player development really, really, really didn't hit until he got with Borrego. I would argue this was his I think we saw it last year. I would disagree with that. I think Steve Clifford got enough out of him, and I think Steve Clifford— But I would argue the defense, he didn't really start taking defense seriously until Borrego. See, I— I think we got a little bit of that last year. I'm not saying he's an all-star defender. No, I think I'm not, no, neither am I. Neither am I. No, under no circumstances <laughs> am I trying to say that Jeremy Lamb is more than like an average NBA defender. But from where he was, from the multiple mental lapses that remind that why, which is why he reminds me so much of Malik, or Malik reminds me so much of him is that there, there were those multiple lapses, and he'll still get caught, even to this day, on those back cuts and everything else like that. But his attention to detail just got so, so much better. Let's talk about this on the other side of the break. Let's talk about the present. Let's talk about the future, because there's a lot of stuff I want to get into. I, I like Jeremy Lamb discussion, because it is a lot of fun. There's a lot of things that we can talk about from there's his development. There is a lot of nuance, and we're a crazy nuanced podcast, this Locked On Hornet says. Better, as we have, you're damn right. I'm here. Let's have our pinky out. We are the nuanced podcast. You guys have to pay attention to us. Are you in your car a lot, driving to work, driving the kids around? If you have a smart device in your car, more and more of you do now tell your smart device to play locked on hornets don't fumble around with your phone and bluetooth just say play locked on hornets and make drive time loh time the nuanced loh time we'll be back with more nuance next on the loh podcast you are listening to the locked on hornets podcast and doug don't you have an eldon campbell like stuffed animal type thing yes i do i got it at the last regular season home game that they had before they left for new orleans i look i love me some eldon campbell but is that, is they, that the they were just they were clearing everything out of the house because it was whatever they gave to the fans that night they didn't have to take with them to new orleans get more hornets analysis on lockdownhornets.com My left side is killing me even more than it was yesterday because of my golf outing that I had when I chose the 18 holes over the two A holes that Doug so eloquently described it as. It's 1.5 and he's about 1.25. <laughs> you're, you're not any part of that? No, 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 no. How dare he just, how dare him? I think when I'm in the studio, it's certainly become, I, I am at least worth one A hole. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. But still, even then. Even then, the fact that you decided to just golf on a Monday, and now you're all sore and everything, right? I am sore. My you, left you, side again, is sore. Again, you're in pain, right? I am in pain. Yeah. Good. <laughs> that was weird how I described that anyway. I'm glad. Yes, we, is it, we, yeah, yes, exactly. No one feels sorry for you for going golfing on a, on a Monday. Or, or, and it was weird just how I described it, but we're going to move on. Yes. Thanks for joining us here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Let's get to the present evaluation of Jeremy Lamb. So I think it's safe to say that he certainly did develop after Rich Cho took a chance on him. Mm-hmm. Lamb has seen his points per game increase each single year that he's been with the Charlotte Hornets. And we got two good years in a row, I think, from Jeremy Lamb, where you would look at that season and say, that was a success. I like what he gave us this year. There's been two years from that, and he's improved each season that he's been with the Hornets. His effective field goal percentage has hovered around 50% really for his entire career. But the thing that was good is we got to see him maintain that effective field goal percentage as his volume increased. And we never saw him become quite the three-point shooter that he is now until just last season when he was able to hit 37% from distance. I was surprised to see that his, his effective field goal percentage has hovered around 50% 
for his entire career. But the good thing about it was that we could see him maintain that effective field goal percentage really with an increased volume that we saw this season. And we got to see him get better the last two years with an increased volume. We got Mm -hmm. to see him increase that once again and maintain the effective field goal percentage. And really, last season was the first year that we got to see his three-point percentage really spike up. He goes from 28% in 2016-2017 all the way to 37% with one more three-pointer per game in 2017-2018. I was actually surprised to see him shoot only 35% this year, 34.8 to be exact. I was surprised to see him only at 35. I feel like we got a little bit better percentage just kind of thinking back in my head. But even then, that's not awful. I'll still take it from what Jeremy Lamb used to be. And I'll tell you this, Nada, we got to see a couple of big shots this season. You know, we, we yeah, can even, he was the clutch guy. He was. He we, was. And we don't even have to count the half-court shot that's more luck than skill than anything, which Jeremy Lamb actually said so as much when he was asked about it. Yeah. But we got the Detroit Pistons winner, and then I forget what game it was closer to the end of the season. Where no, it was Toronto three. again. It's Toronto again. That's right. Of course. Of it was course. Toronto again. I forgot it was Toronto again. So we have the two Toronto games, one mm-hmm. that you can really count, and another one against Detroit where Jeremy Lamb showed up up in those moments when Kimball Walker had to kick it out yeah it's funny because when you start talking about the guys that really close games for them you it's literally Kemba it's Lamb and, and that's really it the chasm drops tremendously after that and the fact that he was able to improve his jumper and be much more than a slasher and some of those finishes he had this year were downright nasty when he did get to slash to the basket. He caught, he went baseline, and he caught some people napping. It was kind of fun to watch this kid grow, and it was worth every single frustration you had about him like making mistakes on defense. He had finally grown up, and I want to highlight something. Not everybody would take getting like quote-unquote benched very very well yes absolutely the second half of that season that season last season where he took that bent that quote-unquote benching and just became one of the better forces in terms of bench production and showed probably the league that hey i'm a guy that i you can put either in the starting rotation or hey i'm a complete bench guy that you're gonna need to possibly win a title the fact that he did that for himself and for his game is going to do so much in terms of getting him paid this offseason. Probably not here, which is the sad part. Well, and you see the mid-range. I thought he was really good with the floaters, that, and, and that's something that we've seen Jeremy Lamb do really well the last couple of seasons. But you're right, Jeremy Lamb did do well, and now as we transition to the future, it does mean that Jeremy Lamb is going to get paid, and it's probably not going to get here, be here. So let's look at the future for a second. The decision the Hornets have to make on Jeremy Lamb is a tough one. Um, whether they decide to pony up for a contract that probably reaches twelve to fifteen million, not a higher. You think you think higher than that? Higher. I think I wouldn't be. I don't think it'd be crazy, but twelve to fifteen million is the is the realm that I would see him getting paid, and that's still a lot of money for the Hornets to pony up, especially if they decide to bring back Kimba. And if you bring back Kimba, then the decision's probably already made for them. Exactly, the decision's already made for them, and more importantly, I would just caution everybody the Knicks are out there let's say the worst case scenario happens and they end up picking fourth Kevin and Kyrie don't want to go and no one else really wants to go to New York are we really certain that Jeremy Lamb for 18 19 million dollars oh boy 
in a New York Knicks. Uh, Are they going to go after Kimba and Jeremy if they don't get KD and Kyrie? I could see it. <laughs> They're going to go after the UConn backcourt again. Those I, guys have to play together one more time. I, I can honestly see it. I don't see, like, of the two people that we we're talking about, I can see Kemba less in New York than I can with Jeremy. I can easily see Jeremy Lamb getting overpaid and then being the guy that they run out there with a DSJ and possibly someone else. So let's go back to Bobby Mark's article on the Hornets on how he broke down the decision and what to do with Jeremy Lamb. So if Kemba comes back for thirty million or more, yeah, the Hornets go about five to seven million dollars above the luxury tax threshold, and that results in an eleven million dollar penalty. Yes. So if you add on in Bobby Mark's case, as he references here, he says you add a conservative. 11 million dollar salary for lamb and that is conservative right even my guess even if it was 1 million over mine's 12 to 15 so you go conservative 11 million dollar salary for jeremy lamb that would cost the hornets an additional 27 and a half million dollars in luxury tax payments and he says that total cost is comparable to a free agent with 10 years of service in parentheses he mentions like kevin durant signing a max contract so if you have Kimba Walker come back for close or right at the max contract and you want to bring back Jeremy Lamb you're talking about close to 30 million dollars in luxury tax payments and nada we can talk about the decisions that Michael Jordan has made and whether he's a really bad owner or the worst owner or whatever but I don't blame him for not wanting to pay 30 million dollars in, in the luxury tax for no a team that didn't even get the eight seed this year. No one should, but here's the here's the thing that I think bugs me the most when we start having these discussions. Like the luxury tax initially not so bad. The repeater tax, that's what kills you and that's what bankrupts franchises really quick. I think they could possibly stomach a year of the luxury tax. Everything after that, absolutely not. So I, is there a possibility that they could bring him back? Yeah, slightly, just in case they really want to maintain this this group. I don't understand why they would. So you have $40 million coming off of the books where you would have uh, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist coming off, Bismack Biombo coming mm-hmm. off, and uh, who else am I forgetting? And Marvin. Marvin, thank you. All three of those guys would be coming off of the books with the $40 million, yeah. But you would still have Nick Batum for another season where he has a player option. I, again, and I, I've said this on multiple episodes that I've been on, I don't see it any way. So we, we won't put Nick Batum. I would just say insert horrible contract here. Sure. Yes. Bad contract. Bad contract. You have one of those alongside Jeremy Lamb and Kimball Walker, who both are going to be making a lot more money next season, alongside Indeed. Cody Zeller, who's already locked in for a couple more seasons. Indeed. And so is that still a team that you think is different enough to compete nope. beyond the eight or seven seed? And so you, that is a, that's a fantastic point. Not I don't think a lot of people will realize that about the repeater tax, about that actually being the thing that bankrupts franchises. But at the same time, even if you were willing to stomach the $30 million and luxury tax that it would be for the first time it's, it's the not repeater. it's not even well it's not even worth it is my point yeah, like exactly. that's a good point it's still not worth it to go after it with the roster that you would would that you would have at that point at that point because you would basically be saying we have to get underneath the tax we have to keep we can't do any significant trades with our expiring contracts because we are already over the luxury tax and we'll end up paying more in luxury tax payments Plus, we'll hit the repeater at some point. 
you can't. That means you wouldn't be able to trade Michael Kidd Gilchrist for anything extended or for a better player whose contract lasts longer. You wouldn't be able to trade Bismack Biombo. You wouldn't be able to trade Marvin. And I don't think you can trade Marvin, barring whoever comes in here. On top of which, and that one has like some kind of value. Maybe there's a team exactly. that wants a veteran that can shoot threes and play defense. Exactly. So you would have to be taking salary dump type contracts, and even then, let's say you do want to bring the band back and say, okay, we're going to give this until February. If by February we're not in a position to be in a top four spot, then, hey, we got to give this up. That's the only way I could see it. And even then, you're still eating $27 million for basically a two- to three-month expense uh, rental. That's all. And, and a team that you hope to God makes the playoffs that didn't with largely the same roster as you had the previous year. Nada, do you sign Jeremy Lamb if Kimba Walker does not return on the no. next contract? What, what's the point? I'm with you. What's the point? Because at this point, we're talking about a very – I'm not going to say there's – I'm not going to say the wings are really, really good, but there are enough developmental wings here and on top of the fact that you really do have to find out what you have in Malik Monk to the point where there's no justification. Even if Kemba signs, you don't bring him back. There is no way you bring back Jeremy Lamb, unfortunately. Well, and it is unfortunate because we'll just have some Jeremy Lamb appreciation. I think we all have the appreciation for Lamb what face. he's done the last couple. And plus, yes, he's given us great social media moments. We've gotten some great Hornets gifts, Hornets gifs, whatever you want to call it. We've gotten both of them very – we've gotten a lot of them, and it's been fun to have him on the team. But I'm with you, and it's going to suck to see him go. It sucks that he has to be a cap casualty, which it probably will end up being if Kimba comes back. If he doesn't, then I'm with you. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to bring him back so Jeremy Lamb probably not a Charlotte Hornet but at least we got a couple of good years and certainly a really good one just this past season he can thank again he can thank us for getting him paid <laughs> he can thank us for, that's all that's all he's got to do you're welcome Jeremy we're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in uptown Charlotte if you're in sales and need help visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do and that's make more sales we'll talk about the playoffs and former players farting next <laughs> This is Locked on Hornets. You know, Golden State spent almost a minuscule amount of time with zero of their starters out on the floor. They had at least one out there the entire time. four Hall of Famers. Yeah, they do. And <laughs> you so just you put just them have, anywhere. You just have one out Stack there. Stack them up. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Michelle Beadle's Twitter has been interesting today. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, been, <laughs> yeah. it's been fun following her. Yeah. She's a fun follow pretty much any day, but especially today. So Mike Goldfarb tweets out another great or perhaps disturbing moment from this episode where you have Paul Pierce, Jalen Rose, Michelle Beadle, Chauncey Billups. Paul may or may not have farted at the start of the taping. And so Michelle Beadle, there's a little clip where they're kind of smelling something. They don't out they don't outright come and say it by saying that Paul Pierce actually passed some gas. But Michelle Beadle quote tweets it and says, No, he did. He did. Period. He farted. And then we get another tweet from her, and 
the it's a TMZ article. Of course. And the TMZ, of course they get involved in this. They have to get involved in this. TMZ puts out a tweet. Paul Pierce farted on Michelle Beadle on TV, and Michelle says, it's not canoodling with Colin Farrell, but it'll do. Michelle Beadle for the win today, but also for the loss with that last night. Pretty gross. And Paul Pierce, man, in more ways than one, is he a gas bag? Yes, he is absolutely a gas bag. And studio etiquette, man. Studio etiquette. You Wait don't for the commercial the break. Wait for the commercial break. Have you not learned anything from Max Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith? <laughs> it becomes a giant kerfluffle. I mean, why are you farting in like the that. studio? Just hold it. Just hold it. Or yeah, you got it. that's the etiquette, man. You're in a you're in a cramped studio. Yes, exactly. there's not a whole lot of room in here. As soon as you shut that door, you can't it's a no hot zone. Exactly. Get out of there before you make it hot. And Paul Pierce didn't respect the game. Yeah, respect the mic, respect the studio, respect respect the game. And more importantly, like I don't fart when I'm in here. Like I hold it everything. My stomach be hurting sometimes. <laughs> you need to let it go. And I need to let it go, but you know what I do? I wait until we're finished with the recording because I respect the game. Hey, real recognize real, Nada. I appreciate all that. Let's talk about the playoffs just for one moment, a little bit. I guess it's tough to move on from that. I wanted to keep talking about that, but we'll get our playoff takes just a little bit. Real quickly, Nada, the Toronto Raptors absolutely destroy the Philadelphia 76ers. I think Brett Brown is out because I think they're going to lose this series, just like always I thought that. Joel Embiid is sick. Ben Simmons did not play well. J.J. Redick only hit one field goal. Jimmy Butler, the only guy that really showed up. What do you think about Philadelphia's future and the criticism that Joel Embiid is taking right I now. told you Friday I don't think Brett Brown is gone I still don't think Brett Brown is gone you're crazy I just the boy I, gone I feel bad for Brett Brown because they have no depth like when you start thinking about it there may be what five deep six deep Landry Shamit was the one of the better players you traded him for Tobias Harris I think they could have made that deal without Landry I, I really do I mean, Brian Windhorst called that Miami Heat 2021 first round pick the best asset in the NBA and if you're the Clippers what else were you getting that was better than the best single asset in the NBA certainly with Landry Shamit attached to it you make that trade it was a brilliant move for the Clippers I still think you could have done it kept Landry Shamit and getting Jonathan Simmons instead of Terrence Ross like I like Simmons but I don't he's think no they were run. ever getting Ross and out. you're probably right it just sucks that they weren't able to land him yeah but the thing with Philly is there's no depth here and there's five, six deep, and they're going against a team that, granted, hasn't played, has played maybe six, seven guys. I mean, I want to look at the series, but I just, the more I look at the series, it's like you guys are only delaying the the guillotine because Milwaukee's beating whomever in the next round in five man Toronto I I know Toronto had a couple of games where they did not perform and I'm with you Milwaukee is going to win that series against Toronto once to me they get there but but Kawhi Leonard has been good enough to make me doubt that and I love the defense enough to make me think that this is going to be a series not a Kawhi Leonard has been absolutely oh, no, amazing he's been the best player in the playoffs he's been the best better player. than Giannis and Tentacumpo oh and Kawhi can actually shoot a little bit yeah no he's been better he's been better than everybody possibly not named Kevin Durant like it's Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard that you can basically say have been the two best players in the NBA since the playoffs have started I I love this Toronto team there are times where Marc Gasol looks washed and looks and he looked good last night. He looked good last night, but it again, and we're also seeing the same kind of issues 
over and over again with Joel Embiid, whether he's sick or whether he's healthy, he takes entirely too long to get to his moves. We've seen Al Horford take advantage of that. We're now seeing we're now seeing a whole lot of other guys take advantage of that, Marcus All included. And the fact that they were not able to get a single rebound when they had the Gasol Abaca lineup out there, was or a single offensive rebound, that's kind of a troubling stat right now. Yeah, no, Philadelphia did not look good, and I don't think this gets back to Toronto. I think no. they go to Philly, I think they win, and I think we get a Bucks toronto series sooner rather than later. Thanks for listening to Lockdown Hornets here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Hornets. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Lockdown Hornets. Also, make sure you check us out on the Himalaya Podcast app. It's Walker Mail, Nada Edwards. Thanks again for joining us. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Let's go.